but there was a language barrier at the house. We couldn't really communicate back and forth, so I'll, we tried our best with kind of my broken Spanish. <laughs> and uh, Could you speak some of that broken Spanish? I'd, I'd rather not right now. <laughs> I'd rather not. But uh, I gave the, the wife a card to our church and just the best I could tried to tell her we'd love for her to come and uh, went back into our box truck and we started to drive away. And actually I had an Easter invite card in there as well. So we stopped the truck and I go running back down the street to take her this Easter invite card. And when I knock on the door, she was standing in the doorway crying. She had Facebook pulled up and she had seen our logo on the side of our truck and found us on Facebook as wow. well. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a message that afternoon and she said, you guys have been the kindest people to us since wow. we arrived from Mexico. She said, we would love to connect to your church. And so two weeks later, it was actually the week after Easter, they came to Living Hope and they've been there ever since. Welcome to the Send Columbus podcast, a podcast designed to share strategies and stories about planting churches in the city. Your hosts are church planting catalyst, Chad Grigsby and Send City missionary, Dean Fultz. Well, welcome back to the Send Columbus podcast. I'm Chad and with me is Dean. Dean, how are you today? Doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. Doing well. Excited about our guest today. We have with us the one and only, the legendary church planter, Aaron Taylor. That was an appropriate intro. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you're you're the church planter of Living Hope Columbus, also the the pastor there. Correct. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. So you're both of those things. Absolutely. All and right. the graphic designer and the janitor and everything else as well. That's so. right. Yeah. So that's church planting 101. Yep. Absolutely. Well, we're uh, really thankful to have you on today. Thanks for making time. You came actually to us. I so did. So we're in yeah, the same room. a few minutes down the road. So. We're in the same room having a podcast. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, when Aaron's here, we should have done a video podcast because <laughs> he makes me and you look a little better. He's, you know, he, truth he, is. He's a good looking man. Yeah. Can I say that? I'm not going to deny it. So keep, <laughs> keep <laughs> oh, going. Oh, yeah. I like it. I yeah. like it. Walk. Hey, before we jump in, though, Chad, you know, today is day, snowy day number two for you and your family it in is. Ohio. It is. And um, the first snowy day, you you chose to brave the conditions. I think it was three quarters of an inch, maybe half an inch of snow that you went out and shoveled your, your driveway and it took was you. Easily three inches, <laughs> which in Arkansas is a major weather event. Everything is a major weather event in Arkansas. <laughs> what are you talking and, about? And someone told me that if you don't shovel every time, then ice accumulates and you, you die when you walk in your driveway. So I got a little paranoid. And so I just went out there and shoveled and cleaned my car off and all that. Wasn't it like 50 degrees later that <laughs> afternoon? Later in the day. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It doesn't come with a handbook. Like nobody gives you a survive the snow in the Midwest yeah. handbook. Right. And then you just read it and you know what to do. Right. Well, we'll make sure you get the Welcome to Ohio packet this week. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. You actually yeah. don't need it, though, because our I feel like our staff team was there for you later in the day yeah. when you explained how it took you about an hour to shovel that half an inch of snow. And then our team offered you some very helpful hints about, you know, they told you not to just don't shovel this and just go water it down with a hose. That's what you ought to do. There's something some very only, helpful. If only I had, like, family in the area who could be, like, more helpful about these things. You know what I mean? I think that's asking that, a lot. That's asking a lot. Doesn't yeah. feel like it, but <laughs> you know, whatever. Oh goodness. Well, maybe by the time this podcast airs, it will be spring mm. and no longer, no longer snowy, yes. and uh, we'll be feeling the heat and the warmth of the sun again. So probably not. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? June, right? Like <laughs> yeah, June, yeah. <laughs> middle of June. 
Well, Aaron, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story, how you ended up planting in Columbus, your call to plant, and uh, kind of how Living Hope became a thing. Yeah, so uh, I got called to plant about 12 years ago, actually. Um, so I'd been in ministry for a couple years down in Lancaster, Ohio, uh, so the southeast part of the city. And uh, is, it, is, is it Lancaster or Lancaster? I always hear. Lancaster's in Pennsylvania. Oh. So it's Lancaster. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate your clarity. You got it. Uh, so youth pastor at the time, student pastor, and uh, we would go door to door every Friday with our students, wow. kind of old school. Yeah. And pass out Bibles to as many houses as we possibly could. And uh, never forget, we knocked on one house and kind of engagement conversation for a while. And we were less than five miles from our church. And they said to us, well, where's your church located? And so we explained it to them. And They'd lived there for several, several years, and they said, we've never heard of that church before. And I walked away from that house on a road with my buddy Steve, and I said, how sad is it that somebody could be five miles from a church mm-hmm. and not even know that church exists? Wow. And I said, if, if there's one thing I learned in this moment, it's we need more churches all over the mm-hmm. place for people. Wow. Um, and really, that was a defining moment for me, and kind of my calling then progressed over the next uh, several years, really 10 years and uh, had a personal conviction that I wanted to be 30 uh, before I started my own church. It's not spiritual or anything. Some people are like, I want to be as old as Jesus. Um, <laughs> I didn't have any of that. You're, you're just so Christ-like, Aaron. Dude, that you just that's what I was going for. <laughs> but uh, He I also died when he was 32. <laughs> so. Oh, man. I didn't think about that. <laughs> Makes sense, I guess. But you've made it past that, right? I did. Yeah, I did. Okay. We're good now. Okay. So, yeah, uh, just had that personal conviction. So, worked at several churches up to that point, and... Really, once I reached 30, um, I knew that was kind of the time. I was on staff at Living Hope up in Marysville with uh, Jeremy Westbrook, and you know, so many things transpired in that season to get us prepared. But um, they told us, hey, we hired you to send you. And so once I hit, hit that 30 mark, and I knew it was time, they knew it was time, started gathering a team and launched the church two years ago. So You know, it's always affirming when they say, hey, we brought you on here, but we don't want you to stay here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Feels yep. good, doesn't it? Yep. It does. Yep. It does. <laughs> So feel good. just talk about that a little bit, because I think for a lot of people who are considering planting, they're on a church staff right now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you just said the time came where it seemed like it was. But how do you know? What are some defining markers or, or maybe not even don't be that prescriptive. Sure. What were some things for you that told you, OK, it's time? Yeah. So, I mean, one of the big ones for us was obviously the age thing. Um, the second thing was exposure to multiple church contexts. So I grew up in a church that was 150 years old, uh, went then to work in a church that was relatively newer and was significantly larger, and then went to work in a church plant uh, that was less than 10 years old and was reaching a younger context of people as well. So for me personally, that exposure to to multiple styles or types of church was super important for us. Um, But then also just the affirmation of people that knew me and had been on this journey with me for a decade um, that just started saying like, hey, you think it's time yet? You think you're ready? Or, you know, are, are we there yet? And then a big thing for us, too, was when we started meeting in our living room, we had two couples that came with us initially that we invited to be part of our team. And uh, after that, we didn't invite anybody to be part of the church plant. Um, people just came to us and said, hey, you know, are you doing this now? Is this the time for this? And when they came to us, that was affirmation that the Lord had kind of aligned the pieces in us personally and in our leadership and what we'd done to that point that it's like, all right, this is time and people are ready and there's adults that are on board to get this thing started, get this thing moving forward. So you would say things like 
other believers, circumstances, yep. prayer. Sounds very Henry Blackaby ish, doesn't it? Yeah, which is great. Which is great. One of my favorite things about the approach that you all have taken in the Dublin Powell area, actually more no, more Powell now, right? Yeah. You guys have got a first week in a new building. Yeah, and nine days in. Yeah, nine that's great. In. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, is the approach that you have taken towards um, reaching into the community and being very proactive about that as opposed to right. saying to the community, just come to us. Yeah. Um, just talk a little bit about um, the approach, not necessarily the, I think everyone knows the why and that we ought to, but just practically how that works out for you guys and some of the ways that you've partnered in the community. Yeah, so what we found early on, and, and I think you can see this across you know, churches, um, is that for us to go out and try to like invent something new is not very practical. If you've got a team of 40 adults, there, there's only so much you can do in a community, especially around Columbus where most of our communities are 20, 30, 40,000 plus people. Um, to try to reach that many people with 40 people is very difficult. Um, so rather than try to invent these things, which wouldn't be advantageous for us, we went out and tried to find things that were already happening, attracting thousands of people to them already. And so in the early days for with the city of Powell, they had several festivals and events that they had going on on a regular basis. They'd been doing them for years, and thousands of people already came. It means we don't have to advertise it. We really don't have to staff it. We don't have to tell anybody about it. They're just going to show up we're going to be there. Mm-hmm. And so it's basically, it's a free event for us to be involved in that kind of looks like, you know, we put on yeah. if, if we add value to what the city's doing. So, um, and really what we did in the early days and before doing those events was we'd go to the city building and find the event coordinator or whoever's in charge of scheduling and like bring them donuts, right? Everybody loves a donut or roll up with some Chipotle on these people and just say, Hey, what do you need us to do to help you make this better? And they always received it in a positive fashion. So, you know, I appreciate you sharing that story. I will have to take issue with one aspect of that. What's that? There are some people that don't like donuts, right, Dean? I don't know those people, but I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. Do we have donuts today? (laughs) I didn't. Did Aaron bring us? Did he roll (laughs) up on us with Chipotle? (laughs) You never asked. He did not roll up on us with any type of food. But do you like donuts made of lettuce? Or I mean, I'm just man. (laughs) Wow. This is. Podcast is getting personal. <laughs> Man. Hey, you you did make fun of my snow show. <laughs> uh, but no, thank, thanks for sharing that. You know, I, I love that idea. I think this is a great thing for church planters to say, hey, instead of reinventing the wheel, mm-hmm. instead of having their own food pantry or their own community service project, find somebody in the community who's already doing it. Number one, you connect with that leadership. You right. connect with people that already have a uh, reputation in the community. I just think it does a lot more for you than just starting your own thing. What do you think about in your church? You always want more volunteers for everything. I've never met anybody in church leadership that's like, you know what? We're good on volunteers. You can sit this one out. City organizations, food pantries, they're the same. They always want more volunteers. And so if you can provide free labor and free people to help with their events, their organization, whatever it is, it's rare that they're going to turn you down. And I think that's very contextual, right? Powell looks different than, you know, Chad, you mentioned Arkansas earlier, so probably our listeners don't know that Chad was a church planting strategist in Arkansas and also planted a church that grew very quickly and very large in Batesville. How did that look different in maybe Batesville from Powell? Yeah, we, we had the same philosophy sure. that you had, and what we, we did is we just tried to build those partnerships with people. Right. So we just 
found all the nonprofits that we could find in our city. And I'm sure there's more than this. We found about 15 and we just started reaching out to them individually. And there, there were some pretty big names like the United Way and Habitat for Humanity. But there were also some more like local kind of grassroots efforts, uh, Batesville Help and Hope, which was started by some folks to, to give away food and clothes and stuff like that. And we basically invited them all. We had a crisis pregnancy mm-hmm. group. And we invited them all to our church once a year. Mm-hmm. We gave them platform time and then had them set up a table. And then we just told all our folks, hey, go go get involved with one of these organizations doing something to help serve them. Mm-hmm. So uh, Big Brothers, Big Sisters was another one that's a national Great organization. Idea. Right, right. So that's what we did. We caught it for the city day. And, and then we just tried to, especially with our groups, you know, we try to get our groups to build a partnership with an organization. Um, and, and, and usually it was one of those 15 or so. Mm-hmm. So something a little more longer term than just stopping in. I think that's one of the things that we try and do right. at a lot of our church plants here in Columbus is yeah. pick a partner and as a group and stick with them. Yeah. Right? yeah. And one of those that you guys have is with uh, Welcome Warehouse. We do. Yeah. You mind talking a little bit about what you guys do with that? Yeah. So Welcome Warehouse is a local nonprofit um, that finds its home in Dublin. And so we approached them, had a sit-down meeting, and said, hey, you know, how can we help you? What, what do you guys need help with? And so one of their big things is they deliver bedding and furniture to people's in need, people in need throughout the Dublin community. So counselors of the schools identify families. Welcome Warehouse meets the need that the family has. And uh, what we found out was they were delivering furniture and beds out of the back of minivans. So you can wow. imagine taking 15 or 20 beds, 15 or 20 trips back and forth from a warehouse it was taking them a ton of time. Sure. And so two years ago, somebody gave us a box truck as a church, and we said, hey, what if we took 20 trips and condensed it to one, and we'll just join alongside you and, and do this. And so mm-hmm. once a month now, we're delivering multiple beds and furnitures to people throughout northwest Columbus, even outside of Dublin at this point. And the great thing about it is we get in their living room. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're taking a bed up to a bedroom, to a living room, a, a couch into a living room, and we're actually in their house and having conversations with them and sitting down. And uh, it's a great opportunity for us to meet people. And again, somebody else was already doing it. We just added to what they were doing in a positive way. It's been great. And were you guys looking for the box truck uh, to do this? Or did somebody give it to you and you're like, what are we going to do with this? And then, Yeah, so we used it for a while. Long story short, another church plant in Powell you know, let us have oh, okay. it. And so it was kind of a, a long story with that. And we used it for our church plant. Okay. And then uh, on a Saturday, it broke down with all of our equipment inside. We had to transfer everything oh to a no. trailer. We're like, you know what? This is a terrible idea <laughs> to transport all your church equipment in a box truck. So yeah. now we just use it for ministry purposes. Yeah, it's but great though. Yeah. I, I think you just, you just made a huge church planting mistake by Telling a bunch of church planters that you own a box truck. That's yeah. true. <laughs> yeah. And it's for sale for $50,000. There you yeah. go. There you go. What's your phone number again? That's right. Your That's email right. address? Right. <laughs> to me, this is really the heart of what church planting is, or at least to me where church planting should start, right? To start with the people who are meeting needs in their community, who are re- seeking to build relationships with people. And, and it's you can go door to door. I mean, you mentioned it earlier, right? But how much better of an opportunity to get in somebody's living room via cold call them knocking on the door than meeting a need that they have? Yeah. Not that not that it's an either or or that one's, you know, worse than the other. But I do think meeting that need gives you an open door. Um, well, even too, with a lot of those organizations that you could work with or these nonprofits, they already have a reputation in the community. 
And so if you come under their umbrella, it gives you credibility with people in your city or your community as well, which is really helpful, obviously, when starting a church. Yeah, and I think as well, it's, I mean, it's win-win-win from that perspective because it, it's also a discipleship opportunity, right, for believers who are part of your church or connected right. to your core team to go out and serve other people. Sure. I mean, it's an opportunity for not only for missional engagement, but for discipleship and serving. Do you have a story from kind of one of those ways that you've partnered that, that where somebody's connected with your church through that? Yeah, so uh, Easter this past year, it was two weeks before Easter, we delivered to a family that we found out had moved here from Mexico. And uh, shortly after they had arrived, they put them in an apartment and uh, kind of a sad situation. The apartment had bed bugs in it. And so everything that they had uh, was ruined and lost. And so they moved them to another apartment but they didn't have furniture, bedding, clothing, mm. nothing. Mm. Wow. And uh, so we were able to bring all of those things to them. Wow. And uh, But there was a language barrier at the house. We couldn't really communicate back and forth. So I'll, we tried our best with kind of my broken Spanish. <laughs> and uh, Could you speak some of that broken Spanish? I'd, I'd rather not right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd rather not. But uh, I gave the, the wife a card to our church and just the best I could tried to tell her we'd love for her to come. And uh, went back into our box truck and we started to drive away. And actually, I had an Easter invite card in there as well. So we stopped the truck, and I go running back down the street to take her this Easter invite card. And when I knock on the door, she was standing in the doorway crying. She had Facebook pulled up. And she had seen our logo on the side of our truck and found us on Facebook as well. Mm -hmm. And she sent me a message that afternoon, and she said, you guys have been the kindest people to us since we arrived from Mexico. She said, we would love to connect to your church. And so two weeks later, it was actually the week after Easter, they came to Living Hope, and they've been there ever since. Yeah, that's awesome. They don't even speak English, which is incredible. Wow. Mm-hmm. So I guess that means they don't have to listen to me preach. That makes your message so much better. It's probably why they're there. That's probably right. And speaking of Easter. Yeah, while we're oh on the topic of Easter. Segway, that, I mean, that was, was strong. A segue, that was right? strong. Right. So, Aaron, it, unique opportunity you guys tried. And I think this is so good for all of us who are church planners. that man, sometimes we try to reach people, and it doesn't always go the way that we planned. Sure. So <laughs> just talk a little bit about the Easter outreach. Yeah, so this was a uh, another reason that I don't try to invent things or <laughs> events for the community because um, they fail miserably. But a uh, little over a month before Easter, uh, we didn't really know of any Easter egg hunts that were happening within a couple miles of where our church was meeting at the mm-hmm. time. So I went to my leadership and my church, and I said, hey, I've got a great idea. I think we can do it pretty cheap. Let's do an Easter egg hunt for the the old sawmill community in Dublin. And so I went to some of our partners. We got the funding for it. We were going to do a 15,000 egg Easter egg hunt Mm. the week before Easter. Seemed like a great idea. Had packing parties, got all the candy. We arrived that Saturday, set it all up, had everything, you know, sectioned out. Huge park in old sawmill. I mean, could accommodate tons of people. Get all of our volunteers there. We had about 35 volunteers that day, which seemed sufficient. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Made a Facebook page for it. <laughs> On our Facebook page, there was about 1,000 people that were interested. Mm-hmm. So we contacted some people that knew Facebook, and they said, yeah, you can expect about 30% of those people to come up. So, okay. so we thought maybe 300 people with one and a half kids, maybe 700 people tops yeah. would be Perfect. kind of the peak. Perfect. We had it all planned out because yeah. we're church planners. We know what we're doing. One and a half kids. One <laughs> and a half kids, right? <laughs> so event comes, volunteers are in place, eggs are out about five minutes before the event. There's like 60 people there. I looked at my associate pastor. I said, man, this is a fail. 
but waste of money, but at least we tried. Maybe 100 people end up being here. Uh, we turned around 10 minutes later, and we have a lady in our church that used to um, do sound for concert venues. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they would have her do is estimate crowd size. Mm. And so about 10 minutes later, there were, we estimate, 5,000 people <laughs> present <laughs> at our event. Um, there were so many people that we shut down four city streets. They were gridlocked yeah. with traffic. <laughs> the fire department couldn't get to us to shut us down. Hey. It was impossible. Yeah. The event, we actually had people that were running to the egg hunt because we were running five minutes behind. <laughs> and I got on the microphone and I said, run, 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 get here, which everybody, all other 5,000 people heard as run. Yeah. Eggs were swarmed. Yes. Run. Gone. Gone run. in less than one second. One second. We lost 10 kids. <laughs> <laughs> so I had... I had moms. Never been found since. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I had 12 uh, moms coming and screaming at me because yeah. they couldn't find their kids. Mm. I'm, I've mm. never met your kid. I don't even know what he looks like. I don't know what <laughs> yeah. you want me to do. I had to uh, call all my volunteers together and scrub mm. the whole field. I said, anything that has living hope on it, throw it away. Yeah. We don't want <laughs> anybody to know no one. <laughs> that we were here. No one. It was, we scrubbed our social media, our website. Mm-hmm. We deleted mm-hmm. it. You couldn't find us if you ghosted. wanted to. We, we ghosted. We ghosted that place. <laughs> we were gone. <laughs> it was crazy. Oh. So um, <laughs> we didn't get anybody from that event. <laughs> what? And, yeah, shocking. <laughs> totally shocking, right? And uh, oh. I actually met, uh, I don't know, two or three months ago with another pastor in Dublin for the first time. And I sat down, and he said, so tell me, what's the name of your church again? I said, oh, we're Living Hope. And he goes, <laughs> you're that church, yeah, aren't you? I said, what do you mean by that? that? He goes, church. oh, you guys are legendary for your egg hunt. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so that's why we moved back to Powell. There you go. Because we don't want to deal with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, man, we all have moments like that, but you guys are legendary for a lot of good reasons, right? You're doing a ton of good in the community, reaching people. Appreciate that. Building the kingdom, making disciples. So, And we're thanks for spending some time with us on the podcast Absolutely. today. Thank you. Yeah. Um, we would uh, certainly like to thank Corner Bakery for sponsoring uh, the podcast. Um, if uh, if you are interested in happening into the Corner Bakery, it's more than just a bakery, right? They serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner right there on Gemini Parkway. Or excuse me, Gemini Place uh, right near the Polaris Mall. Man, those cookies with the M&Ms. I'm, you've not had one, but... <laughs> for what do you mean? <laughs> You're giving my diet grief. <laughs> But for those of us who have had one, they're very good. So, yeah. Actually, actually I have had one of those cookies, and they are very good. Okay. Yep. Check out Corner Bakery. And, Aaron, thanks again, man, for being with us. Uh, If people are going to try to find you guys, uh, which website, you know, social media, where can they find you? Yeah, so you can find us on Facebook. uh, Just search Living Hope Church Columbus or livinghopecolumbus.com are the two best places to find us. Okay. Great. Once again, Aaron, uh, super Grateful to be partnered up with you here in the city, and thanks for all you guys do. Yeah, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for checking out the Send Columbus podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and join us next time for another episode.